Hey guys, this is Drake. Thanks so much for tuning in to our City Church podcast here. It's an honor to have you. Hey, at the end of this episode, we'd love for you to take a moment, subscribe to this podcast channel if you haven't already. Also subscribe to our YouTube channel so we can continue to serve you with content that we're putting out on a weekly basis. And in addition, if we can serve you in any way or connect with you in community in any way, you can visit our website at citychurchboulder.com and we would love to connect with you there. And lastly, and most importantly, I hope this content is helpful to you. It's encouraging, it's inspiring, and you leave better than you showed up. Enjoy. So we're going to kind of kick it off, but I want to just do a little bit of highlight and review as we dig into the conversation this morning. Uh, the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about what it means to follow Jesus. Like, like what does it actually mean to follow Jesus? Jesus. And so uh, week one, we kind of broke this down. The invitation from Jesus is so simple and so clear, but sometimes on kind of our first century, you know, or I'm sorry, our, our Western, like modern ears, what we hear and what his first century followers would have heard can sometimes get, like, get disconnected. And so we, we broke it down very simply. Jesus invites you and I, as well as his original followers, to follow him. And we said that there, there were three goals of following Jesus. The first one was to be with Jesus, like the first invitation is into relationship, just to be with Jesus, not change things, not do X, Y, and Z, but invitation into relationship. I was talking to my, my son Grayson this morning. He's uh, six years old, and, and uh, I have this like little, little game that I play. It's not really a game. It's just something I, I do with him over and over again, him and my younger son, and I say, hey, Grayson, guess what? And I just wait. What, Dad? I love you. He's like, I knew that. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, yeah, I, I know you knew, but guess what? I love you. And we'll do this back and forth. He's like, I know, Dad, right? And I'm like, I know you know. I'm like, guess who else loves you? We go down the list. Mommy, yeah, yeah, guess who else loves you? And we go just go through the list of our friends and family and all these people. And then today I was like, all right, and guess who else loves you? And he's like, who? And I'm like, God loves you. And he's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> Sometimes I forget that. And I was like, me too, dude. <laughs> I was like, that's why I tell you every day. And so, man, sometimes we just need the reminder that before we're invited into anything of, of doing for Jesus, that we are loved by God, and Jesus is the evidence of that. He demonstrated it. He went all the way to the cross for us, died and was buried and rose again so that we can know and experience the love of God. We just need that reminder. So the first invitation, what does it mean to follow Jesus? Is to be with Jesus. Number two, is to become like Jesus. When he invites us, it's not just this one cool, say a prayer, go to heaven when you die. There was a very clear invitation to be with Jesus. As you're being with Jesus, you're going to become like Jesus. And the last thing is that when, when Jesus invites us, that we begin to do what Jesus did. And so, in case you haven't figured it out, that's how we're kind of playing over the next couple of weeks. Last week, what did we talk about? I'll give you being with, yeah, okay, this is not a trick question, okay, be with Jesus, guess what we're talking about today, becoming like, G wow, you guys, and then just, just to, what's happening next week, we're, we're going to talk about, listen, you do not want to miss next week, by the way, we, we, we uh, believe in being a multiplying church, like it's not just about City Church, we are all for the capital C Church, what God is doing in Boulder, the West, and the world, and next week we're going to have some of our missionaries who are going to Thailand to work in the sex trafficking, pulling, pulling women out of sex trafficking and children, and giving them jobs and sharing Jesus with them, and so we have some of our friends that are missionaries to Thailand who are going to be here next week as we talk about doing what Jesus did, and you do not want to miss next week. It's going to be amazing, but today's going to be amazing too. You guys with me? 
Hey, can we put our hands together for the band leading us again? Wasn't that awesome? So, so good. So today, we're going to talk about becoming like Jesus. And I, and I recognize, listen, I recognize for some of us, like, uh, you know, you're, you're wrestling with your spiritual journey, and you're like, okay, I'm not, like, maybe you want to become like Jesus in some ways, right? Like, he's a pretty good role model, and like, there's some things about Jesus, you're like, yeah, I could use some of that, even if I'm not sure if I want to follow him. There's some good things about Jesus that probably would benefit my life and my relationships. But again, the overall invitation, I just want us to understand what we're being invited into. So let me show you a parable that Jesus used. This is kind of a story to make a point in Luke chapter 6. Let me show you this. Super simple, by the way. Jesus is, is, is talking to his followers, and he says, can a blind man lead a blind man? Answer? No. This is really bottom shelf, okay? He, this is no trick questions. Will they not both fall into a pit? If there's a pit nearby, yeah. <laughs> right, I mean, it's not like just the automatic outcome, but there's a possibility, right? <laughs> I don't know how many pits they had around. I, don't, I haven't walked a lot. Right, anyway, all right. And then uh, uh, he says, a disciple, a follower, or the, the original word in the, in the Greek that we talked about is talmudim, right? Disciple or follower, or we talked about apprenticing under Jesus, right? Not just believing in Jesus, but following him. So he says a disciple or a talmudim, that word we talked about the first week, is not above his teacher, or his rabbi. So again, the, the role Jesus has been playing out, he's the teacher, he's the rabbi. He's inviting you and I to follow him, to apprentice under him. And it's, and it's not just this, this belief system that we're adopting, but it's a way of life. Jesus is inviting us into a way of being human by God's design that we're, we're finding him work in and through us. And he says everyone who, when he is fully trained, will be like his teacher, his rabbi. So, a couple of just observations here from Jesus, very simple principle as we get into it. Um, Jesus' first point is that you and I can't lead ourselves. Right? There's areas that you and I would like to go and we have a hard time getting there. Yes? You, you with me? The things you want to change, they just don't change. There's things that you want to grow in that you're just having a hard time. He's like, you, you and I cannot lead ourselves. We have to submit to Jesus as our teacher. But, but not only that, the, the goal of following Jesus for him is to become like. What does he say? A, a disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone, when he is fully trained, will what? Be like his teacher. You guys see it? So Jesus' complete assumption in following him is that you and I will become like him in the process. Is this clear? It's not, it's not meant to be profound. This is meant to be very, very clear. And, and lastly, Jesus uses the word fully trained, as in there's intentional training and stages of following him, meaning you don't make a decision today to follow Jesus and boom, I'm a full, I'm, I'm ready to be the Jesus 2.0, right? None of us are even trying to claim that because we realize the disconnect. And I just want you to understand Jesus acknowledges that there's a process, there is training. And we said there's a big difference, week one and two, between training and trying. Jesus is not inviting us to grit our teeth and be frustrated and try a little harder. He's inviting us to commit to a practice of training, of walking with Jesus and learning and growing in that. And the assumption here is that it will take time. You guys with me? This should be an encouragement for you, that everything Jesus wants you to become in that, in that process is not going to happen overnight. And while it can be frustrating and while it can be challenging, there's just an absolute assumption that this is a lifetime commitment to be with Jesus and become like him. Now, 
We've been talking about being with Jesus, and if you're curious what, what that looks like, we spent the first three, three weeks of the year talking about like the discipline of like silence and solitude. These practices is what we're calling them. Again, training of being with Jesus daily, and so hopefully you're pressing into that, and city groups are you know, holding those spaces accountable and giving you the tools that you need. We've got like a little 21-day prayer and, and, and fasting book out in the lobby if you haven't grabbed it yet. By the way, how's, how's the fast going? <laughs> wow, that's not at all... like. Over here, it sucks. I just want you to know, like, I'm hungry a lot right now, and I'm loving Jesus a lot right now. Like, it's really cool what God is doing. So we're on this, if you're new to City Church, we're on this 21-day journey of prayer and fasting. There's a little book in the lobby. You got a week left, guys, and then we get to party on Super Bowl Sunday, Neighbor Sunday. You guys with me? One more week. Let's press in and keep doing it. But again, being with Jesus has been the first invitation and lots and lots of tools at your disposal. We want to help you with that, okay? You're not alone in that at all. But then when we get into like the becoming like Jesus part, it's where we kind of start to get pinched and in trouble. Because the challenge for most of us to become like Jesus is we need to change, right? Like to become like Jesus, some things need to change, don't they? Crap. (laughs) Like being with Jesus is one thing. That's hard enough, right? But like actually becoming like Jesus, I mean, that's a whole other category. Like like how, how do we do that? And so we find ourselves in this challenge and maybe even a discouraging space at times because if you're like me, there's been moments where you try to change and and you get stuck. 2 Corinthians 3, let let me show you this. Paul says it this way. He says, we all, he's speaking of kind of this relational language, by the way, uh, coupled with the Old Testament, if you don't get the whole picture here, but he says, we all with unveiled face, kind of speaking to the relational intimacy we have with God through Jesus because of what Jesus has done. He's saying, we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of God, we are being transformed. That word in the Greek is metamorpho, where we get the word metamorphosis, like, you know, cap, capadillar to butterfly. Capadillar. <laughs> dyslexic. Caterpillar. Anyway. Being transformed. Metamorpho. You guys with me, right? Okay, okay. Uh, um, <laughs> There's a whole another set of languages I'm just going to mess up. We're just going to avoid that. So being transformed, check, check it out. We are being transformed into the same image, speaking about Jesus, from one degree of glory to another. For this comes, what we talked about last week, from the Lord who is the Spirit. So God's doing a work, but check it out. Listen, what is it? From one degree to another. I'd like to just crank it up, wouldn't you? Like, can we just skip a bunch of degrees and go up to like 98? That'd be sweet. One degree to another. So the question today is, is, is change possible? And if so, how? And, and I think for you, this is going to be true for you just like it is for me. My problem is not that I don't want to change, whether I'm following Jesus or not. My problem is not that I don't want to change. It's not even that I'm not trying to change. But what I run into consistently is I don't know how to change, right? Have you ever looked around? And this is one of the, where the disconnect, people like look at faith and look at Jesus followers and they, you know, see these people that have been claiming to follow Jesus for, you know, 5, 10, 50, like their entire lives and nothing has changed. And you ask the question, like, how, how does that work? How, how, is, how do you have a relationship with Jesus and nothing has changed over the course of 20 years? There's no transformation. And we're going to talk about that today. And I think mostly because not, not only is there an issue in the Western like, kind of idea of faith that has limited us on, on how to change, uh, but we're going to dig into it today. So the language of, of this is kind of called spiritual formation is, is what uh, um, modern kind of ideas w- w- would compensate for. But like 
Uh, the Bible word might be sanctification, if you've ever heard that word, but spiritual formation is what we're talking about. Here's a quote I gave you a couple of weeks ago from Dallas Willard that I think helps us kind of summarize what it means to become like Jesus. Spiritual formation in the Christian tradition is a process of increasingly being possessed and permeated by the character traits of Jesus as we walk in the easy yoke of discipleship, apprenticeship, following Jesus, our teacher, our rabbi. So I need you to understand something today. Spiritual formation is is not a Christian thing. It's a human thing. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago, that all of us in the room are being formed and shaped by something. We're all disciples of something and someone. We're all apprenticing, whether intentionally or not, and being shaped and formed. Some of you are your disciples, and you're being formed by the home you grew up in, and that was maybe good or bad, but then also the culture around us and the friend circles and just tons of things, the shows that we watch, the music that we listen to, we're all being formed, whether it's on purpose or not. So I want you to wrestle with this question today. What are you being formed into? Who are you becoming? Fast forward your story just in your mind right now. 10, 20, 30 years down the road. Who are you becoming? So today, I'm going I'm to do, do a bigger arc of teaching because I, I think this is helpful for us in the coming weeks of where we're going. So if you're taking notes, you're definitely going to want to get like your phone out or your pen and paper and be able to kind of follow along with some of the diagrams I'm going to use. But, but the first, I just want to kind of wrestle with two kind of forms of spiritual formation. The first one is unintentional spiritual formation, right? This is, this is kind of the, the wake up and the things that are happening to you part of life, okay? So again, whether you are a follower of Jesus or not, we're all being formed, we're all being shaped, we're all we're all apprenticing under someone or something. And there's a category of unintentional spiritual formation. By the way, all of this is stolen from John Mark Homer. I'm not this smart, okay? And so, so total credit there. Um, but this has been absolutely transformational for what God is doing in my life, and I hope it's going to serve you well. So let me just show you two paradigms. Uh, the first one's going to be unintentional, and the second one's going to be intentional spiritual formation. Number one, this is a little paradigm of, of how are we formed unintentionally? The first one is going to be by the stories that we believe. So a couple of things influence us. And the unintentional side, again, this is what happens when you just wake up tomorrow. This is, I had no, no effort into it. These things are just pulsing in on my life from every direction. And the first piece of this is the stories that we believe. This is the stories you grew up with. This is manners of thinking. And we can call them stories because they kind of represent a, a wide view of thinking. And so this could have been how you grew up thinking about money and how you grew up, you know, around identity, whether it was just, you know, you valued for who you are or, or what you do. Uh, this is how you, you know, uh, the stories you believe about conflict and, or, and how to resolve that and uh, stories around self-image or materialism or, you know, how, how to engage the poor or, or how to engage in justice, right? There's all these stories that you and I both grew up with as well as what we're surrounded with today that we believe that then influence how we live. Let me give you an example. Let's use sexuality as, as maybe a story that you uh, have grown up in. And there's different versions of this, right? But let's just say that for you, the story that you are either are embracing today or, or who grew up around was sexuality in context of like a, a non-creation evolution. And by the way, this is not a different conversation. Like I think you can follow Jesus and believe in evolution, but like we're talking about more like the, the glorified accident version of evolution, like no purpose, no design whatsoever, 
just some biology that bumped together and here we are, ta-da, okay? So let's just say that your story paradigm follows the idea of, okay, you and I are just glorified accidents and then somewhere along the way in the Byzantine Empire, monogamy became a social construct. And so marriage is something that we have made up and it's not really something we have to you know, press into and there's no created order or anything like that. And so at the end of the day, sex is great and fun, but then you know we're really just biology, and so there's not really anything more going on than that. And so then all of a sudden it leads to how we live our lives. You guys with me on this? This is just a story. I'm not knocking anybody and their views, okay? This is just one of the stories that you can embrace and believe. And what does it do? It informs how you then live your life, doesn't it? This applies to every area of life. So the stories that we believe shape us massively in how we live our life. The second thing in unintentional spiritual formation are the habits that we engage in. And, and so what we do on a regular basis, we become. Or, or, or another way to say it, the things that we do, do something to us. We had a series last year about habits and how to unmake them and remake them, but the reality is our habits, they shape our loves and longings. Anybody a coffee fan in the room? How, how many, who's like a just happy to own it coffee snob? Coffee snobs? All right, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, so, so there's, there's like levels of growing. Like, you know, the first sip of coffee when you were a kid, what was it like? Ooh. Right, or that first sip of beer, you're like, Ooh. I kind of like it. <laughs> you know, you have these moments of like, yeah, it's terrible and wonderful at the same time, you know, and, uh, and, and then you get addicted, right? But like coffee kind of has this, you know, you might have to dabble into it and like lots of sugar and lots of whipped cream and like, you know, everything to kind of take the edge off. But then eventually, you know, your habits can actually push you to become the kind of person that likes, dare I say it, a black cup of coffee <laughs> and a beautiful Chemex in the process, and the right? And you form this habit that actually, and here's what's, here's what's funny, is our habits can actually override what we know to be true, right? Like, for example, you can know that, that you need eight hours of sleep, right? You can know your body needs sleep to function well. But your habit of, of you know, laying in bed watching YouTube or, or watching one more episode on Netflix before you go to bed will rob you of two more hours of sleep, and so then your habit actually robs you of what you know is good for you. Only me. Cool. Glad that's, that's great. All right. But here's the idea is, is that our habits form us for good or for bad. And the last thing uh, um, are our relationships. Now, again, these are the people that you pick to be around, okay? Uh, you know this. We become like the people we hang out with. For good or for bad, you become like the people you hang out with. And so, so these three things are working together in unintentional spiritual formation, all in an environment that, that you and I live in. And so again, this could have been your home growing up, but now think to like present, where are you right now? And so you and I, you know, if you live in this area, Boulder County, Boulder, Colorado, Boulder is a machine in formation. D don't ever miss the reality that where you live, work, and play is still an environment shaping you, sometimes for good and sometimes for bad. I love Boulder, but Boulder is a rabbi and you are its disciple. There is an intentional formation. Some, some of Boulder is great, some of it is less great, right? And you don't have to look very far to understand that. But here's the reality. You become like the place that you call home. Have you seen those videos of like the Colorado guy? You seen that guy who's like walking around in the winter in you know, shorts and, oh dude, right? Like it's so funny to watch somebody move to Colorado, myself included, and like adopt all of the things, right? You become like the place that you call home. And so you and I live in Boulder, Colorado and Boulder County in the year 2022, and we are being shaped and formed by the environments 
around us. And again, this is also true of the home you grew up in. This is true of the school that you're attending right now. This is true of your roommates. This is true of your friend circles, right? The environments that we live in, they are shaping us. Now, here's why this matters. These are just observations, by the way, okay? All you have to do to experience this paradigm of spiritual formation is wake up tomorrow. That's it. And you will be shaped for good or for bad. And hopefully this, again, causes, who am I becoming? That's all we're asking, okay? This, I'm not throwing rocks at any of this. But how do we counter the pull to, to, listen, not intentionally become like our Instagram reels, not intentionally become more like Boulder, but how do we intentionally become more like Jesus? That's what we're after. And listen, guys, the benefit of us becoming more like Jesus is the world around us benefits, doesn't it? Everything around us benefits when you and I are more like Jesus. And so I'm asking this question for myself. I'm asking this question for my kids. What kind of environment am I creating? So again, before I get into the intentional side, I want to I address two myths. Because, because we look at this and some people have knee jerks or you're maybe raised in a Christian tradition or like in areas to where we're like, we kind of have answers to unintentional spiritual formation. And the first one is this, that all you need to do is know the Bible. That, that's how you fight all of this. Just know the Bible and it all takes care of itself. And there's this intellectual kind of approach to faith that as if everything that we know is just automatically going to change how we live. And you and I both know that's not true because we've all picked up a health magazine and we all still eat the bag of Cheetos, right? Like, we, we know truth and practicality, they, they don't always line up. And so th- this is not probably new to you, but it's important that we talk about because I don't want you to hear, hey, dig into the Bible more and you're just gonna naturally be formed by Jesus. They do not necessarily, constantly equal growth. Now, it's very important, don't get me wrong. I love the Bible, love the scriptures, love love God's word, and I think it's absolutely formative for us, but it's not the only thing. So let me just, brief history lesson, okay? Protestant Reformation kind of into like current evangelicalism, there was this like massive kind of emphasis on on, like the preaching of of the gospel, that's the good news of Jesus, or like this emphasis on on the the, the taught word of God like we're doing right now, and also kind of on the early end from the Catholic tradition, there was like this heavy emphasis on the sacraments or the bread and the cup, like you know the wine and the the bread. There there was these two heavy emphasis on on these two things kind of early in the Protestant Reformation. And then you go into evangelicalism and there was kind of a diminishing because we wanted to get away from Catholicism. I know this is a history lesson, okay? But but basically you and I live in, in a Western Christian version that, that the sacraments have been diminished a little bit because we want to kind of get away from Catholic tradition and basically we're left with go to church on Sunday. There's an entire generation of, of followers of Jesus that say go to church on Sunday. That's all you need to do. Trust in Jesus. Go to church. Everything else will be taken care of. And you know what happens? They do that and nothing changes. Except for, I mean, there's always the exception. But the answer to how do we change was go to church. That was it. Learn some stuff. Get into Bible study. Learn some more stuff. Learn as much as you can. And what we're left with is this, this kind of enlightenment idea. This is all where it's birthed out of, by the way. There's a philosopher named Descartes, right, that said, I think, therefore I... And the idea was that everything that needs to change can start right here. While there's some truth to that, it falls incredibly short because the assumption out of that idea is, I'm going to read a verse that says, don't be anxious. And I read it, 
and it's in here, and I'm like, wow, cool. Let's not do that anymore, and I've never been anxious since then. You guys have that same, I mean, it's true for you, right? Absolutely not, right? It's, it's amazing how much information you and I can collect that leads to zero transformation. You guys understand. So, so there's this enlightenment push of head knowledge only. I just want you to understand that's not what it takes to see change alone. Knowing something is not the same as doing something. And knowing and doing something is not the same as wanting that thing. So how do we change at the core level? We cannot think our way into spiritual formation. That's all I'm trying to say. Do not miss it. You and I cannot think our way into becoming like Jesus. Discipleship, following Jesus, is more than an intellectual endeavor. Number two, you don't need to do anything. The the opposite end of this is you don't need to do anything. It's all God. You just totally abandon ship, osmosis, Jesus take the wheel. Right, that's it. That's the other version of this. It's all God. You can't change anything. So just abandon ship, let go and let God. You guys heard that before? That's terrible theology. That, that is, there's nothing that we see in the life of Jesus that just says, yeah, let's just kind of you know, fall asleep on the Bible and absorb some verses and it's going to be great. No. I heard it said this, I don't actually know who said this, but uh, it said that with, with, without God, we can't. But without us, he won't. That transformation is a joint effort between you and, I, you and I and, and God. That he's not going to superimpose formation on us. Dallas Willard said it this way. He said that grace is not opposed to effort. It's opposed to earning. There's a difference. That there is an involvement. There's some responsibility for you and I. All right, you guys, you guys on the same page? You ready for the, the good news? Okay, intentional spiritual formation. Ta-da! It's nothing. It's, let's all go home. I'm just kidding. There's a, there's a, all right, here we go. Here it is. All right, number one, it's teaching, okay? Teaching. This, this is so important. Again, I told you, it, it's not an intellectual endeavor in and of itself, but it's so important that our head and our hearts get alignment with solid teaching. And, and what, what teaching does for us, guys, hopefully today you're, you're asking the same question, it casts a vision for the good life, the, the life that Jesus talked about and invites us into, hopefully our hearts and our souls, they lean forward saying, I want that. In 30 years, I mean, who am I becoming? Hopefully there's something inside of us that says, ah, yeah, like there's something I want to do about it. I don't know what it is, but there's a pull there. And what teaching does, guys, is it counters the stories that we hear and live in. This is so important. Not all stories are bad, by the way, right? But when we're met with a false paradigm or false teaching or, a, or you know, our, our teaching, it addresses the, the lies and then it allows us to adopt the truth. And it's so important. Why? Romans 12, 2. You know this verse, hopefully, but, but if you don't, memorize it. Do not be conformed, Paul says, to this world. We're speaking of not, not, not the world in general. The world's not bad in and of itself. But the patterns of this world, the influence um, that, that is contrary to God, but rather be transformed. Same word. Metamorpho, be transformed by going to church on Sundays. That's not what it says. Be transformed by going to a Bible study. Be transformed by the renewing active of your mind. That by testing its work, you might discern, meaning it's not always clear what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. We asked the question a couple of weeks ago, not just what would Jesus do, but what would Jesus do if he were me? My stage of life, my gender, my job, 
my upbringing, my education, my season of life. Paul says, this is how we do it. It starts here. So again, this is not, go, go, go back to the, the uh, paradigm here. Teaching is one of the things that shape us, okay? So again, we're not throwing it out. We're just saying it's not the only thing that shapes us. Number two is practice. How, how do we counter our habits? With practice. Jesus assumes, we already talked about this, practice is going to be a part of following him. We don't just sit back and let it happen. And again, there's a big difference between trying and training. We talked about, you know, if you want to run a marathon tomorrow, you might not be the person that can run a marathon yet, but you could be if you trained, but you're definitely not getting up and doing it tomorrow unless you've been training. I got a new one. I went climbing for the first time on Friday. Uh-huh. And, and I might not be the person that can lead climb yet, but I will be probably Maybe I showed up being the guy that didn't even know how to belay. And guess what? A little bit of practice and training. They gave me a little like almost ready tag. <laughs> they gave me a white tag that I think actually meant warning. <laughs> don't, this guy technically knows how to belay, but don't trust him. Props to Will. He's not in the room. He's teaching kids today. But, but um, um, he's the only one that trusted me to belay him on Friday night. Come on, Will. I'm not the person yet. But with some training, I could be, okay? So listen, I was having a conversation with somebody who was struggling with anxiety this week. I said, listen, you might not be able to live free from worry yet, or anxiety, or depression, or greed, or lust, or envy, or anger, or impatience, right? Those things that that you want to see change, you you might not be able to be the person that, that is separate from those yet, but with training, with practicing the presence of God, with being with Jesus and becoming like Jesus, you can be. You can be. That's the idea. Our practices rewire our heart and mind and soul. That when I sit with Jesus, something shifts. When I practice Sabbath, when I'm fat, guys, listen, I'm, I, this fast has been truly incredible. I, I don't know how it's going for you, but I, I rewired it over and over again, doing, trying different things. And, and ask my wife. I'm like probably 10% more like Jesus this week than last week. <laughs> she might just, maybe 5%. But that, it, it really is, man. Jesus is working. All right, last one. Uh, uh, community. So, so there's a difference between relationship and community, right, if you're taking notes. So we talk about relationships form us, right? Those are the people that you pick. But community is wider than that. Because the community is, is choosing to be a part of something bigger that's not just self-selected. So, for example, when you join a city group, when you, when you join city church and you be a part of this community, some of these people you pick, some of these people you just kind of get with the program, right? Like, like just adopt it. And so you're like, oh, I like that person. Drake, I don't know. I don't really want that guy in my life. But when we make the decision to follow Jesus alongside others, it begins to form us. Two things happen when it comes to transformation and community. Again, different from the people that we just pick in our fr- small friend circles. When I choose to be a part of a city group, some of these people maybe I know, some I don't, when I, when I actually say, you know what, community is important. Number one, exposure happens. That God uses other people to shape me. When you get married, and, and if, you, if you've been in this process, when you get married, you know, all of a sudden, like, all the ugly that you already had begins to show up verbally, Right? The difference is you, you already had all that ugly before you, you got married, but now there's someone living with you that can tell you how ugly you are, right? That, that's, so get married. It's great. Like, it's the best. 
and, and, and the idea is, like, like, right, when you get close to somebody, exposure happens. It's already there, but it starts to show up. It's kind of like the people in your community are a mirror. And God uses that. It's a good thing for you and I to see our gaps. But the second thing is community brings encouragement. Not just exposure, but encouragement. Listen, you need to know. You need to have people in your life that look you in the eye and say, I'm with you. I see your brokenness. I see how jacked up you are, and guess what? I am too, and we're following Jesus together, and I'm with you, and this is hard, but I'm not going to leave you. That's what comes from community. You need it. And the last one is it's all happening. It's saturated in the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. We talked about this last week, this abiding conversation, that our dominant reality is living life step by step, right? You guys remember me and Isaac? Step by step by step with the Spirit. And all of this is shaping us. I'm going to invite Kari to come and play, and as she comes, I'm just going to leave you with some things to ponder as we look at intentional spiritual formation. All of this is over time. In the culture of Amazon and microwaves, (laughs) you still can't microwave character. that when Jesus invites us to follow him, it's like a tree being planted and grown. And what, what does it take for a tree to grow? Well, decades of following Jesus. And, and one of the things is not just over time, but it's also through the hard knocks of life. And, and, and you and I live in this kind of escapism culture that as soon as things get gets hard, right, we, we bail. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, man. And if anything compromises that, I'm out. So I'm going to go to YouTube, and I'm going to go to Netflix, and I'm going to go to a bottle, and I'm going to go to sex, and I'm going to go to, you know, different things to to kind of just release and remove the pain. But guys, listen, I, I need you to hear me in this. God is so good that he can use the hard stuff to shape us. James 1, the brother of Jesus, he says, let the hard stuff do its work. Don't don't run from the stress. Don't run from the anxiety. Let it do its work. Who are you becoming? And you have two choices. You can let Jesus shape you through the hard stuff, or you can let the hard stuff unshape you. And guys, I'm praying for you to not be unshaped by the troubles of this life. Let Jesus work and change us. So, is transformation possible? You say, well, Drake, what, what if I've been through a divorce? Or, oh, man, what, what if someone cheated on me and, and I just don't trust people? What, what, if, what if I was abused as a kid? You can't undo that stuff. What, I, what if I've been told my entire life I'm a failure? What what if I'm just kind of rough around the edges and I don't do relationships well? What what, what if my my, intimate life and my relationships are just not playing out and I'm still still alone? What what if I've been betrayed and abandoned too many times and I'm just not not willing to let people in? What if someone blew trust for me and I just can't get over that? Or what if I've blown trust for others? I I mean, is there any hope? Listen, friends, transformation is not inevitable. It's intentional. But with Jesus, it's absolutely possible. 
So don't miss it. Don't miss the invitation. Gathering, teaching, it's essential to what we do and being formed as followers of Jesus. We love to gather. Alone time with Jesus, praying and reading the scriptures, silence, that practice is essential. Getting in community and city groups and living life together, that's essential. But none of them can stand on their own. Up against our culture, up against the, the, the life around us, they're not enough without us being intentional in our transformation. So, a couple of just next steps for you, okay? The invitation still daily is to be with Jesus. Don't miss it. You and I miss this. We miss everything. Last couple of weeks, we were pressing into this. If you don't know how to do this, let us help you. Let us know on your connection card so we can help you. If you're not a follower of Jesus and you're like, man, I, I want to be with Jesus. How do I start that? Let us know on that connection card. Maybe you're at a place where you're like, man, I want to give Jesus my life today. Let us know. But being with Jesus daily is where it starts. The second thing, you got a week left. Press into the practice of fasting so you can continue to practice that presence of God throughout your day. Keep practicing. For those of you that are pragmatic, right, this, this is it. Don't miss these simple and challenging disciplines because they're forming us. And the last thing is ask this question this week. We're going to talk about it in city groups. Who are you becoming? Who am I becoming? Where is my character taking me 20 or 30, down, 30 years down the road? If you're stuck, hear me. You're not alone. You're not alone. Let me pray for you. God, thanks so much for this time. As my friends and I, we just kind of create space, bow our heads, close our eyes, and, and, and create space to listen to you. God, I pray right now that we would remember that you have a plan for our lives, that who we're becoming matters to you. So God, in this space today, we just want to reflect. Would you give us a vision for the good life? Would you give us a vision for, for what could be, man? Some of us are walking in with just heavy family baggage, heavy consequences from habits, frustration of un, uh, just being unable to change. God, we're carrying all kinds of, of heaviness from this life in this world. And Jesus, many of us, unintentionally, man, we've been formed and we've been shaped by the world around us. Some of it, man, we grew up in hard homes. Some of it, we just kind of let down our guard and, and we were formed by, by all kinds of different things. And we're looking back like, man, maybe that's not who I want to be. So Jesus, we, we just want to invite you into our lives. Holy Spirit, would you identify the things that you want to change? Jesus, we want to be more like you. We want to love like you. We want to see like you. We want to live like you. God, this work of change is hard and it's deep and we need your help. And we need each other. So whatever our next steps are today, Jesus, would you lead us in that? God, as we're sitting here with our heads bowed and eyes closed, I know that you're doing a work individually and I pray for any of my friends in the room right now who are wrestling with what it means to trust and follow you. Maybe there's never been a moment in their life where they said, Jesus, I believe you were son of the God. you're the son of God. Jesus, I believe you died for my sin. Jesus, I believe you rose again to save me and set me free, not, not just for belief and an end destination, but Jesus, you, 
You died and rose again to save me and set me free so I could follow you today and forever to make me new. And Jesus, I pray for any of my friends in the room who have never said yes to you, that they would pray right now in their own heart and mind and say, Jesus, I give you my life today. And they'd have confidence in your love for them, in your work on their behalf, and that they can have confidence of, of being a part of the family of God and of becoming like you. So Jesus, we give you the rest of this time as we reflect and respond to you. It's in Jesus' name, amen.